In seminary, one of my theologian uh, theology teachers taught that of all the theological doc doctrines and disciplines and of those things, there was only one that could be proved empirically, that you, we, could, we could sense it, we could, we could see it, and that was the doctrine of original sin. And he, he pointed out to, uh, to us some of the, the things that, of, of course, uh, we're so familiar with, death and disease and uh, that. Uh, and uh, we often forget about how the darkened intellect is part of her, uh, the effects of original sin, too. And uh, I, I have to admit, the other day, there was one that obviously darkened intellect is definitely there. There was a, uh, a list of um, the state's most wanted, of, I think it was the state of Colorado, and they put out the, the list and, and somebody's, hey, what about me? <laughs> and they said, you're right, sir, you have two warrants. Come on in, we'll put you on our list. And he did. Talk about darkened intellect. But I do have to admit, I saw, saw it in a little form today, too, with the, the, the children. I asked them, now, if you could go back in time and you could create your mother and, and change anything about your mother, uh, and uh, what would you change? And one of the boys responded, I'd make her nice. And then he realized what he had said, er, er, nicer, nicer, <laughs> a good save. His brother, on the, on the other hand, said, I wouldn't change anything about my mother. So I guess we know who's getting more Christmas gifts. But this doctrine of original sin, how we, we are born into this broken relationship, and, and uh, not only a broken relationship with God, but broken with each other, and bro broken most especially with ourselves, uh, how many times do we do things we wish we would not do? And St. Paul tells us, that I wish, the good I wish I could do, I cannot do, and the, the bad I wish I would not do, I do. And, and that is time and again the case. We have no more to look than to see original sin affects us terribly. And not only that, but we know that there is a solution to that original sin, that that solution is Jesus Christ. And uh, that's what we ultimately, well, every day of our lives, every second of our lives ought to be a celebration of Jesus Christ and what he does for us. But in particular today, as we gather, that we would remember in a special way how Jesus Christ did exactly what I invited the children to do, to imagine if they could create their mother to be perfect. He didn't make her more beautiful, although I believe because of her immaculate conception, she was probably the most beautiful uh, there could be. She, she was uh, without actual sin because of the lack of original sin, so she was perfect in, in that regard. She probably never yelled at Jesus or, or screamed at him, never got frustrated maybe when, uh, not that he would have been misbehaving or whatever, but never got frustrated with maybe a dirty diaper or whatever it is, you know, the, the normal frustrations of life that she took everything with stride because from the first moment of her conception, from the first moment of her life, she was preserved from original sin. And so many uh, will, will talk, and, and this is a doctrine, this immaculate conception that we celebrate. Uh, perhaps you, you know, and the Dominicans uh, for a long time went back and forth and back and forth debating, is, is Mary immaculately conceived or not? And, and St. Thomas uh, initially sided with, we don't have to say that she was immaculately conceived, but God, she, because she needed a savior too. But the church in her wisdom and after years of discernment realized that saying that Mary was immaculately conceived didn't deny her to be a, have a need of a savior. Just that from her, the first moment of her conception, she enjoyed the grace of her savior. 
That's what we celebrate, that God could give her all the grace, the prevenient grace that we're going to hear in a little bit, all, all the grace that she needed to keep her safe from original sin so that she would be a more, more perfect mother, a more perfect vessel for Jesus Christ to take flesh, to become incarnate and to be born for us. That because she was able to say yes to, to God's plan, he was going to be able to suffer on the cross and die for us. And that grace, going back 50-plus years, if that blows our mind, I, I, there's a particular commentator I've been listening to, and he, he's kind of had his mind blown lately, too, talking about some of these things in quantum mechanics, and I don't fully understand, and he doesn't either, but the, the, there's a, uh, an awareness that after studies have been done. If you observe light, it acts like a particle, but if you don't observe it, it acts like a wave. So in, in this scientific experiment, they were able to say, you know, when they weren't observing a particular particle, they, it acted like a wave. But as soon as they started observing it, it became a particle and it went back in time. That it, they could observe it being a particle back from the beginning. That ought to blow your mind because it blows my mind and, and uh, I can't fully explain it. But if there is something there... If God had created light to be able to go back in time and become something different, certainly you could do that with the Blessed Mother in preserving her from original sin. After all, God is outside of time. God, knowing that Mary was going to be able to say yes. And some have pointed out, why do we have this gospel passage? You know, well, we don't hear the, the conception of, of the Blessed Mother we, uh, there's some pious legends about, uh, there's uh, this thing about this chaste kiss and, and all, all that stuff, but of Anna Joachim, uh, St. Anna Joachim, but it ultimately doesn't matter because it's not how she was conceived, but that God had preserved her. And we see in this gospel passage how that preservation played itself out. Hail, highly favored one, or hail, full of grace. And, and you know you're in trouble when you have one Greek word and you have to use a lot of words to define or describe that one word. The best way is hail, the one in whom all grace has already been flown and, and poured out. And Mary, what kind of greeting is this? Angels don't normally appear, first of all, but they don't normally appear and say, hail, one who, whom all, all of God's grace has already flowed upon. That, that just doesn't happen. And yet, when all is explained to her, she hasn't, doesn't question. She just simply says, let it be done to me according to your will. This act, this fiat of faith, she expresses that faith. She doesn't show doubt. Obviously, even though we have empirical evidence for original sin and its effects, she's not affected by it. She has no darkened intellect. She has faith. And what she enjoys by grace, the church herself enjoys because we are conceived in the heart of Jesus' Son on the cross. That from that first moment of the church's conception, the church is sinless. Doesn't mean I remember in the church is sinless, unfortunately. But the church itself is sinless. And so what Mary enjoys and what we celebrate this day with this Immaculate Conception the church enjoys because she is our model. She is our guide. She is the pattern, the foreshadowing, the image. So we do celebrate this day.